So last week, uh, we continued First John, and just the way the service unrolled, we felt like uh, we were stepping into something that was bigger than we anticipated. The, the, the songs that the worship team led us in, and then uh, the word that God put on Pastor Ted's heart about just loving people who are far from God, who are, who are not part of the kingdom, and then where we were that particular Sunday in First John about stepping into how God has loved us and how we should love each other, we felt like God... God is stamping this, that this is a moment where we need to hear how much he loves us to however that needs to heal you or break through in a deeper way in your life. And we need to hear his call on us to love each other in realistic ways more than, more than we're doing right now. Because who would say, I don't love people? You know, there's nobody in the room that would say, it's a good message for me because I really don't love people. We all love people. It's just whether we do that well or whether we do that enough or whether we do it selflessly. And so last week we had uh, Katie and Max read some scriptures to kind of set the table for us. We're going to do that again, and uh, we have some people who are going to read. Let me go ahead and let you know the order that you're going to be in. If you all want to come up so you're ready, it's Nate, and then Zariah, and Ron, and then Poncha is actually going to close us out and, and pray on that. So if you all would come up now and be ready, great. Okay. Is that sure? You can take your mask off because it'll be easier to understand. Okay, that's fair. <clears throat> My command is this. I'm sorry, this is John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is Ephesians four, fifteen to 16. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting lig ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And this is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, my dearly beloved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is Colossians three twelve through 17. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ 
rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. First Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I, have, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. And is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man and did away with childish things, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, we want to glorify you because there is no one like you. And there is no God but you, Lord. You're the greatest. You are love. If we could just grasp that, Lord. We ask you, Lord, that. Let your Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts and minds, Lord, so that we could grasp it. How great your love is. Because your word says your love and also that you're holy. And because you're holy, justice has to be served. But because you're love, you send your son 
to serve that justice, Lord, so that you could justify us, so that you, we could experience your love fully, Lord. And we glorify you. We thank you, Lord, because we will never know how much that is, Lord. We're just finite men, Lord. Yes, we're going to live forever to experience you because we put our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. And we'll get to know you more and more through all eternity. But you're so great that how could we understand? How could we grasp how great you are, Lord? Unless you feed us bit by bit, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for choosing us, Lord, to work for you, Lord. That you have put us in this world, Lord, to accomplish your plan, Lord. We have a small part, Lord. Help us to be faithful in it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you even reward us for that. How gracious you are, Lord. How great you are, God. You're the greatest. Thank you, Lord, that the enemy, he fails in comparison to you. He want to be like you, God. How could that be? There is no comparison, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We should have no fear, Lord. You're God. You're the grace. You're the almighty God. There's nothing that could happen to us unless you allow it. You're the greatest. And we want to proclaim that, Lord. Let our lives show that, Lord. When we get out of here, Lord, and we meet people and talk to people, and that they will see that our God is the greatest, that our God is the only God. Because you have given us your word, and your word is true. And if it is true, then whatever you say is true is true. You're God. And you have proved it over and over and over and over in history. And you will continue to prove it until the history is over. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that there is nothing that you can't do. Just like the man that was thrown on the bones of Elijah, you brought him back to life. It's like you, there's, there's no miracle that you can't do. Who could stop you, Lord? And that's what we ask, Lord, that you would just go before us, Lord, and make ways, give us appointments, Lord. Help us to take advantage of every opportunity that you give us, Lord. We want to thank you and praise you and glorify you because you're worthy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us, even when we didn't deserve it. How great that is. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good. Thanks, Paj. Yeah. Good. Good. What a great line. You know, people say things or they pray things that just stay with you. You've proved it in history over and over and over, and you will until history is over. Isn't that great? What a great concept that is, yeah. In some ways, the verses, when, when they're reading them, it's almost like we get this moment to remember, remember when Jesus was here? Remember what Jesus said? Remember that was? Like you have sometimes with a family member or a friend who's passed away and you just sometimes get together and you're just remembering. Remember what, they would have loved this. Remember they would have done this in this moment. And maybe that's how it is for John when he's talking about love. Maybe that's why we were looking last week in First John, and just capturing this, how, how important this is, how intense John's letter is, maybe it's because he's just remembering Jesus, and he wants to make sure Jesus is never diminished, you know, who he was, how John felt like when he, when he was with him, 
never experienced love like he did those three years that he was with Jesus. And he hasn't been able to get away from that. Remember in 1 John 1, he says, that which we have seen and heard, and which our hands have handled. And he uses this verb tense that says, I can still see him and I can still hear him and it's like I can still touch him. This is very real and it's continued on. He's trying to make sure that continues on. You know, it's almost like John's going to be waiting for us, you know, to get there. See, see, didn't I tell you? Wasn't it that great? And he just wants us to be able to, to answer yes. And so here he is in, in 1 John. And as we've looked through it, we're looking at it through this lens of keeping this real. John is trying to preserve the real thing the real way or, or just to be real for you, to make sure you're having the real experience so that you don't get discouraged and along the way like people we all know have gotten discouraged and feel like, I don't think this really works. So John is trying to, to help us to make sure that that never happens for us. So, so let me read 1 John 4. That's, that's where we are. We circled back here uh, from last week, as I mentioned. I just want to read these first, uh, or rather from verse 7 down through the end of the chapter. So 1 John 4, 7 through the end of the chapter. And obviously, you know, the Italian Bible study, you just look for words to be repeated. That's how you get a sense of what's emphasized or what's the theme. And we're just going to see that word love over and over in these verses. So 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love's from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this we know, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom, he's, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And it seems so simple in a way. You know, if you've experienced God, you've experienced love, so you ought to, you ought to love other people. But then last week we were talking about just this, this history that we all have with love. This history that isn't always so good and we all have more of a mangled history with love and so last week we just kind of ran through some of these things that have been part of our experience with love that have made it that have kind of confused the way we give love or the way we interpret love
and if you don't step into those and, and allow God to heal them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to paralyze you. It's going to affect the way that you can receive God's love or the way that you love other people. Can't help but do that. You're going to just get hung up on, on some of those past experiences. You're going to interpret people's motives or, uh, or people's efforts based on how poorly you've been loved or how well you've been loved. And so John is just laying this out. For him, it's been this amazing experience that's totally changed him. The John you meet in the Gospels. Hey, this town didn't receive us. Okay to call fire down on them? It's the John that writes this passage, who's been totally transformed. Peter, the man in the Gospel that was all over the map, you know, emotionally, and he's ready to kill anybody that would approach Jesus, and then he's denying that he even knows Jesus, and he's one moment making this brilliant confession of faith. You're the Son of God. You're, you know, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then other moments, he's, he's saying incredibly dumb things. He, but you meet, him in the, you meet him in the book of Acts and he stands up in front of thousands of people and proclaims the gospel for the first time. And then he, he's the key person when the gospel moves from being a Jewish gospel to a gospel for the whole world. And then you read his letters and he's a transformed man. That's what the gospel does. It transforms us past our experiences and then calls us to be part of helping other people to experience that. That's why I feel like what happened last week and this week, this is a huge moment for us as Cottage Hill and for what life at Cottage Hill looks like, and for what we, what we play in, in the whole over, over uh, in our experience with that as part of being Cottage Hill Church together. So John says in the verses, like we saw last week, that if you've connected to God, if you've become a believer, then you have connected to his love. Love might have been a driving motive or, or driving reason that you came to faith in Jesus, you, you come out of an abusive home or a loveless life and you understood this God of the universe loved you and that he gave his son up for you and that might have been a driving motion, uh, motive for your salvation. And others of you, maybe not. It might not have been that emotion that drove it. It might have just been a logical understanding of the gospel. It might have been a crisis, whatever it was. However it was, however emotionally you connected with that or not, you did connect to God's love in that moment. You stepped into this relationship with him that was motivated by love. We saw last week that is the main motive that God has is love. He's totally in balance, but he's motivated by love. And so when you came to faith in Jesus and you were adopted into his family, you stepped into love that began to, to speak itself to you if you were able to receive that and if you were able to hear that. That's why John will say it at the beginning of chapter 3. He said, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. That whatever it was getting you into the kingdom, there should be some sense that you live in that. Wow. What kind of love is this? That God would allow me to become part of his family. That's why John will say, hey, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no fear of judgment. Some of us had, some, maybe it was our home, and some of us had friends that, man, you did something wrong, you stayed out too late, or however that was, you, whatever it was, however it was, your friends, they were afraid to go home because they knew it was waiting for them. Even short of being abused, maybe they'd just be grounded, maybe they'd lose the car privileges, whatever that was. And other, other friends they were never worried to go home because they just knew they were loved. They knew it was okay to go home. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble, but it's not going to be a big deal. Not in the big deal of I don't care, but the big deal of, hey, I get the whole of my relationship. 
So if you've connected to God, you've connected with his love. We saw that last week. If you connected to God's love, then you've been changed. You have been changed. It's just a matter of how much you're living out that change. That's Paul's letters. You are a new person. You need to live that new person. You don't have to try to be that new person. You just have to let that new person out. That's why we're constantly exhorted, be filled with the Spirit, not grind it out on your own. And so John says that, that if you've connected to his love, you've been transformed by his love. When somebody loves you well, it just affects you. Even if you can only, if you narrow it down to that one person, that, that when you're with that one person, you just feel safe, you feel secure, you feel understood, you feel valued. There's something about being with them that allows you to, to relax, you open up, you, you relate to them differently than you're going to relate to anyone else. That's what John is saying should be happening to us here. John, when John says you've been changed, he's going to keep using this word abide. It's going to be a key word all the way through the letter. If you're abiding in him, if you've allowed your relationship with him to just swallow you up or just to flood over who you are. I mean, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, he talked about that life that's just going to flow from him into you then you're going to be changed. To John, it's just abiding. It's staying in this relationship, staying conscious of this is my relationship with him. This is who he is. This is what he, he's doing. This is how much he values me. And that abiding is going to bring change. So look at the, the big words that John will use about change. He'll say in verse 7, you know, whoever has been born of God, born again, he uses in John 3, you've been born of God. There's been a major change in what happened to you. He uses a word like that. And then in verse 16, he'll say, and so we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Do you see that whole life shift that's going on? You abide in God, God abides in you. There ought to be something that changes in you because, that's, because that happens. And then in verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment uh, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so he just sees this thing going on in, in your life, in my life, from the moment that you come to faith in Christ, that there's, there's this change that's taking place. We were looking at this last week. You think of Jesus' language. He uses the word born again, that there's an old you, there's a new you. That's what Paul talks about. There's an old man, there's a new man. There's, there's something that's happened to you that's just so radically transformed who you are. And you will not change and you will not experience the fullness of this life until you, until you have that sense in mind that I'm not that person anymore. However good that person was, however healthy that person was, however safe that person was, you're not that person anymore because there's been a change that's taken place at the cross and the moment where you came to the cross that now radically is trying to transform who you are. That's just a natural thing John is, John is pointing out in, in all of this. So last week we kind of wrapped up with this quote that I come across. It says, a believer is a sinner who's loved by God. That's just the truth. But when he realizes this, he enters into the sphere of God love, God's love, and he himself becomes loving. When he realizes this, that there are so many, there's so many followers of Jesus. They know God is love. They know salvation is a plan of love. But they never able to step personally into, into that God loves me. 
or this love that God has for us that allows it to begin to really to do the change that, that God has in his heart and has his mind to take place. So, so it's a change. That change, uh, that change only, I just noticed I've got the wrong PowerPoint in here. So I'm going to keep going. Uh, that change will only come out of you uh, when you allow, that loving other people, I got to give myself a second to think about where I am. Yeah. That flowing out into other people, your ability to love other people, that's only going to happen when you allow that change to happen because it's only what happens in you that can flow out of you. Whether we're talking about love or peace or boldness or the gospel, it's only what you allow God to do inside of you that is going to fly, flow out of you. And you're going to know that difference. You're going to know when it is you are trying to, uh, the, when it is you're trying to do this on your own and when you're surprised by what it is that you're doing. Hey, if you're looking for it, I think it's in the Sunday folder. I updated it, but I don't think I changed it in here. So we're just going to keep going. Yep. It's only what happens. Look at verse 16, what John says to us. And so we have come to know. And so, so in the original language, there's a couple words for know. There's one that's like uh, facts knowledge. You know, you have that friend who's all about trivia, you know, like, hey, did you know that this number, did you know this statistic, that person? Did you know the Patriots chose this guy because of this and all the analytics? And then there's the word know that talks about experience. You know, that you've entered into this. Hey, do you know this person? I, n- I not only know his statistics, I know him. You know, I know him. That's the word John uses here. We have come to know. We have experienced love. And so there's, there's that experience you have that now is going to flow out of you. If you've come to know God, you've come to know his love. If you've come to know his love, you're being changed by that love. If you're being changed by that love, it cannot help but flow out of you into other people. It can't help but do that. That's why John is writing this, that if someone says they know God and they love God, but they don't love their brothers, they're lying because there's a disconnect at some point because you cannot disrupt that. For John, it's just an unbroken line. Watch how often he's going to say that even in these verses. So in verse 7, Brothers, let us love one another, for love's from God, and whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. Pretty clear, but then he flips it in verse 8. Anyone who does not love doesn't know God because, because God is love. And then verse 12. Uh, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's just if you know God, that's going to automatically come out of you. Uh, in verse uh, 19 and 20, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. All those, those things where you say, hey, this is how it is, but no, this is how it is. John is just saying, you cannot say that you've come to experience God or you know him, or you've experienced his love, if that is not flowing out of you. I want to shut the door all along the message. I want to shut the door on those of you that say, well, I'm I'm loving in my own way. Absolutely. You're going to love the way God has wired your personality. But often we'll say that as ways, what we're really saying is, I love in my own safe, convenient, comfortable way. (laughs) Where that is not at all the model of Scripture, if Jesus loved us in a safe, comfortable way, uh, 
we would still be lost. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm not trying to get you, and God's not trying to get you to be somebody you're not. He's trying to convince you there's somebody that you are that is bigger than you think you are. So that, that's where he's taking us in there. F.F. Bruce uh, wrote these commentaries in Scripture. I appreciate him so much. But he said, this is not acquisitioning love. This is not a love of how much love can I get from God? How much love can I get from other people because I'm so wounded or I feel so insecure or so unloved? It's not a matter of how much love can I, can I accumulate. It's how much can I give? That's where John is going. You know, and with so many things, you know, like they say, you learn the most about scripture when you're working with someone in scripture. You will experience the most love when you are loving other people. Because now God has fresh love to give you and to flow through you instead of just trying to hold on to what you, get, what you have and what you get. So, so he says, it's not acquiring, it's giving. This love of God, this love of Christ, it flows through you and meets other people's needs. That's a simple statement, but really to stop there, other people's needs. It's not what you think other people need. It's what they need. Because so many of us, I'll say so many of us, you know, I remember taking a counseling class one time and uh, the guy leading it was saying, you just have to convince yourself, no matter who you talk to or whatever the situation, you've never talked to this person before. Because it's a tendency is for you to, you sit down with a couple and they start talking to you about their issues. You think, oh yeah, I've seen this before. I, I, know what to, I know what to say to them. You don't. You've never talked to these two people before. So you, you have a common symptom, but you know how they got there. You know how, they're, you know how they're playing that out. You don't know that. So lift that over to this passage. You see somebody and they're struggling and God is prompting you. You have a burden or your direction, direction there or however that goes. You need to dial in and, and listen to what are their needs. Hey, thank you so much, you guys. See, I can look at the booth now and thank you, where normally they beg me not to turn around and look at them because everybody else looks at them. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, so it's flowing through, but it's meeting their need. You're only going to know their need if you listen, if you listen to them, and more importantly, if you listen to the Holy Spirit. Because in the midst of our brokenness and our needing to be loved, we get that wrong sometimes. So don't you say to people, what I need you to do for me and so often what we're saying is what I need you to do for me is to make it all better. When really what I need you to do for me is help me figure out what Jesus is trying to do in this. Because he might not want to make it better right away. But if you make it better right away, you might be doing something good for me in the short term, but, but it's, not, it's not loving for me. Sometimes, you know, sometimes loving a person is wounding a person. You know that Eve Hill video we show once in a while? Those of you who've been in Cottage Hill for a bunch of years, he says at the beginning of that message, now you know I love you, but it's going to hurt. Remember that? Yeah. So, so you meet the need of the other person. What do they need? What do they need? Not, not what have you seen? What is your experience? You're meeting their need. Their need is way more than, hey, I'll pray for you or here's $20, or I'm sending an email. Because a lot of times we can, we can sense the Holy Spirit is stirring us, but we just pull, a, pull an easy out. We pull a ripcord and get out of that. So I've satisfied you, Lord. I did something. 
but we're not doing what the person needed. And that we need, that we need to dial into and we need to listen to. Because whether, when it's God's love or it's, when it's God's love or it's Christ's love, uh, then, it, it do, then we're going to see it do what God's love does through this letter. It's going to speak, it, it's going to do, uh, and it's going to protect. That's what we were talking about God's love does. He spoke to us, he did for us, and then he, he protected us. If you are serving someone in love, if you're coming alongside of them, you know, you, God has brought you your lives to connect, or if it's a relationship you've got and it's just the next moment where you've got to step in and love them for what the season is calling for, you're going to need to say something, you're going to need to do something, and then you need to protect them. I was in a conversation with someone this week and it just got clarity. Sometimes we need to understand that word protect means to shield. You are shielding someone from something. You know, you're just protecting things from coming at them. One thing I've had to learn is, is uh, I don't have to tell people everything. Boy, it was really good for my marriage when I stopped telling Cindy everything that was on my heart every burden that I had. She wants to know that, you know, it's not that I'm not withholding things she needs to know, so don't hear that. It's just, it's a lot of things. If you kind of know me, I have a lot of things going on in my mind that totally don't matter, you know? (laughs) Seriously. Hey, some of you are with me. You're not going to admit that, but you're with me. I might say to her, man, what if we left the ministry and went to Africa? What if we spent the last season of our life in Africa Huh. Oh, good night. I cannot do that to her. I've, I'm telling you, I've had to learn that. That was a revelation to me when someone said, you don't need to tell her all that stuff. I was like, really? I don't. I want to be open-hearted with her. Don't be that open-hearted. You might find a knife in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It speaks well. It does something. It does something. So we don't love in words only but in words indeed, and then it protects, it shields from what needs to happen. You love this church, you're going to shield this church and not be part of gossip. You know, because we've, we've all been in there. Unfortunately, if we're honest, we've all been on both sides of that. Boy, but one thing we can do in church to preserve what God's trying to do here is just to shield from gossip. I don't think we have a gossip problem. But the only reason we won't have a gossip problem is if we keep talking about the gossip problem. <laughs> you know? So you hear something, and it doesn't need to be passed along. It needs to, be, needs to be addressed at the level it needs to be addressed at, but not necessarily passed along. It, it just shields. It shields people. It protects. It, it goes in that way. Love that speaks and does and, and protects it does actual things. It does practical things. It's persistent. It hangs in there with people. Because loving people is incredibly frustrating because people are sinners and people are disappointed and people are, we, we want to react in safe ways and we want to protect ourselves. And so it's frustrating to keep saying the same thing to people or keep coming back to them. But that's what love does. It never, it never gives up. It bears all things. It believes all things like, like Poncha's reading. It's personal. It allows there to be an attachment. And it just, it's going to flow through you. That love that you've experienced from God is going to flow through you into compassion. And so you're going to be concerned about people beyond yourself. I used to have someone that I, that I was working with and 
it always circled back for them about, but what about me? <laughs> Compassion moves you past, what about me? You know, we're going to look at Philippians 2. In fact, let's just turn there, back to Philippians chapter 2. I thought, we were going to put this up, and then I thought, this is better for us just to see. Philippians chapter 2. What's interesting about the things you find in Philippians, Philippians is a really healthy church. Little issue going on between a couple women that Paul feels like he needs to call out. But he's really encouraged with them. It's his most positive letter as you read it. But that said, look what he calls them into. It's a church that could feel pretty good about itself. We're a church that can feel pretty good about itself. But this is what Paul says to them. This is what Paul says to us. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ... And there is some, we can agree, right? If there's any comfort from love, check. Any participation in the spirit, I hope so. Any affection and sympathy, really only you know whether that's in your heart. Any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Have this mind in you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he walks you through this crazy thing that Jesus did for us. Humbling himself from all that he was to all that we needed him to be. That's what love is. It humbles itself from all that you are to what the other person needs you to be. And so this compassion flows out from you so that it's not just, what about me? And I need to take care of myself. Or, there's a sense where it's true, you've you got to get healthy before you can help people. But then there's a sense where if you wait to get totally healthy, you're going to wait until you're in heaven. That God wants to flow his love through your brokenness into other people. And so there's going to be a compassion. There's going to be an awareness like we've, we've read. You consider the needs of other people as more important than yours. There's going to be an awareness that lifts your, your vision above your life and what you're going through to be able to see what other people are going through and to see that as, as important or more important than what you're going through. Because we can, all, we can all get caught up in that sense of, yeah, but I've just got so much going on in my life right now. See, that love that flows through, through us lifts us above that so that we have an awareness of what other people are going through. And it moves us to action where we deny ourselves and we deny what, the energy, I just don't have much to give in this time or, or the convenience or our schedule. It, we deny ourselves that for what other people need from us in a given moment. Or for some of you, it allows you to be awkward to God's glory. Really, isn't it? Some of you just feel awkward going up to people. Maybe you don't relate to people so naturally. God has wired you to be introverted, and that's okay. You know, that's to his glory. But he's glorified when you and your awkwardness try to help somebody's needs. Where you come away and say, man, I could have said that a lot better. I could have done that a lot better. The Holy Spirit is trying to say to you, but you did it. And you did it in the name of Jesus. And the Father is glorified in that. And there are some of you that serve and, and I watch you serve people or I watch you relate to people or I watch you even have conversations with people seriously. And I think, I do. I say to the Lord, Lord, if only I could be that good. But that's just you being you and me being me. 
So don't. A passage like this, in a moment like this, where we feel like God is calling us into loving each other better than we are right now, don't measure yourself against other people because that will shut the door and not open the door. And so his love flowing through you, it'll get you to be awkward <laughs> to his glory. That love flowing through you, it'll be just like that passage. It's going to flow to anyone and whoever. Because that's the word we've seen going through 1 John. We've watched it over and over and over. That he loves everyone. He loves the world. He's the savior of the world. Anyone and whoever. And so some of you are going to have to work through that. Boy, in this, in this moment in our nation's history, the church has to be the place where people feel like whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your race, that you found a place where you're loved and you're held in equal value. It's only the church that really can say that. It seems like everything else that society has done is not working. But the church is a place where it doesn't matter to us who you are or what you look like or what your background is. That thing that we came across that we started at the beginning, I really believe that. Uh, and I want Cottage Hill to reflect that. I feel like we do. I mean, there's a brokenness here that you don't get, you don't get in a lot of churches. Actually, there's a brokenness here that's just a little more out front because it is in every church. Amen. So Amen. sometimes, Pastor Ted and I were talking, sometimes our challenge is to getting you to tone it down a little more than to get you to, to put it out in the open. Isn't this why Jesus told the Good Samaritan illustration? Well, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor, you know, you are outdone by your neighbor. So he talks about this Good Samaritan. That person that all you people hate, you know, you racist Jews, you hate the Samaritans, that's the person you need to be like. Imagine how that must have blown their minds in that moment. You know, it flows out to whoever God puts in front of you that has a need. That's, that's where the love of God, the, Christ, the love of Christ, where it flows out of. What's the need in front of you and what can you do? And in fairness, there's some needs that I'll come across and in, in I've gotten to the point where I realize I'm not hired to meet everyone's need. That took me a long, long time to appreciate. So sometimes I'll meet someone's need by connecting them with a person that can really meet their need. And sometimes just being in tune with that. But you have to know the body well enough to know to do that. Hey, you need to talk to this person because they've been through that. You need to be, talk to this person because they work here and they, they can put you in touch with what you need. You need to know the body and you need to know that you're just here to connect people to people that can love them well. But it has to be whoever God puts in front of you and none of us has the right to say, not this person. Some people are going to trigger you and maybe God's doing that to heal you. So at the same time, you have to be wise. You know, people will call me and say, this is my background this is what's happening. This is the person. I don't really feel like I'm the person. And there's sometimes we'll have a com that conversation. We'll say, you're right. You're not the person. Hey, we'll, we'll find someone. Or other conversations we've had saying, I think you are the person. I think God's saying it's time. But the whoever, whenever we don't, get to, we don't get to decide that. God decides that by who he brings in front of us. And then this love of Christ, this love of God that flows through us, it flows in relationship, not randomly. Because you can, you can short-circuit this message. You can short-circuit what we believe God's trying to do in this moment by just doing some random act of love and saying, see, see, I'm loving. I did that. 
You know, love happens in relationship, not randomly. It happens by getting close enough to a person so that your lives begin to intersect. Not just, it happens in the chapel, but if the chapel is the only place it's happened, it hasn't really happened. It happens in a relationship where you follow up with someone because that says to them that they matter enough to you to be evolved into your life and not just into your Sunday morning, into, into that. That's why this is, really, this is really a message that those of you that, that come in, you come in, you go out really protected. You say hello to some people, but it's really in and out. It's not engaging. You really need to hear what we feel like God is putting on our hearts for this moment, that he's calling you to something beyond that as part of a Cottage Hill family. We're not SEAL Team 6. You know, the SEALs, they drop them into the, where they need to be, they do what needs to be done, and then they pull them out. That is not New Testament loving one another. New Testament loving one another is you show up and you stay. You show up and you stay. That's why scripture uses a word like family to describe us. You know, your family. Here you are. We're connected for life. It's not you're here for, you know, you're here for however long. You're here these years. We didn't, we didn't have children and, and, and then say to them, how long you plan to stay with us? <laughs> you know, how much are you causing from us? You know, so, so many of you are new. You know, our daughter Joey and her husband Mark are up for the weekend. We didn't have a conversation with her that, listen, you're costing us a lot of money. And really, I'm losing sleep over you. I worry about you. I don't know if I can take worrying about you this much, which is true, yeah. And when Joy turned nine, I had this moment. Fathers can appreciate this, you know, especially I have, I have one daughter. At nine, I just had a panic moment. I think Cindy and I were getting ready for Joy's birthday party. I said to Cindy, you know, she's nine. She goes, yep. I said, we are half done. This thing is half over. <laughs> Seriously, I had that. I was panicky. I said, she is going to college when she's 18, and, and she'll, life will be different. She'll, she won't be part of our home anymore. I mean, she'll be coming home, but she won't be part of our home. It's like we are halfway over. I was, it really, really upset me and bothered me. And, uh, you know, Cindy, and you know how good she is for me. And she just, God gives her these words to say. And she just said, and we can either enjoy that or we can cry our way through that. And it was just kind of the good point. Okay, so what do we need to do in the party? But there's, to me, there was that sense that, you know, this is our daughter. I want her to be part of my life, my whole life. That's, yeah, that's New Testament love. That's why God calls us family. Because he wants us to be part of each other's lives for this duration. And like Pastor Ted shared uh, recently, you know, we understand there are times when God will call people out to another church fellowship. There's things that go on. We understand that that's him sometimes. But that's not the norm. The norm, you know, where things go wrong, you don't agree, whatever, and you leave, that's not family. That's not relationship kind of love that goes on. That's what, that's what John is writing for. That's what he's saying on the one hand, this is what it is, and on the other hand, that's what he's begging us to, to live in and to experience. And let me, let me come back to just one other. If that love doesn't flow, then it's being blocked. Because John is saying it's there. And he uses it as a marker for himself. To, for himself. Hey, this is a mark 
of people who really have been born again. This is a mark of people that belong to God. They become loving people, and that love is being expressed in, in helping other people grow, heal, uh, mature, all of those things. So if it's not flowing out, it's being blocked. Isn't that why the fruit of the Spirit is love? It's there. If the Holy Spirit, who's in every believer, is a spirit who brings love, the love of God, that can transform you and then flow out from you into other people. You either don't believe it, something along the way has convinced you that you are not lovable. Your experience maybe has, never, has been that you've never experienced genuine love, selfless love, and so you just can't believe you're loved this way. And until you do, you will not be able to love other people well. So you don't believe that. You don't believe that it's your personality, which you've got to get past because every personality can be a loving personality. It's going to be uniquely loving, you know, but you're either, you don't believe it or, or you're blocking its flow. And that in the scriptures is called grieving or quenching because the Holy Spirit is just assuming you're going to allow him to work out through you. The Holy Spirit assumes you're going to allow him to do in your life what he needs to do and then you're going to allow him to do through your life what he's been sent to do. You're, he's just assuming that's how it's going to work unless you step in the way of that happening. By Not now, God. That's a little scary to me. I'm not comfortable doing this. And as we keep saying, comfortable is never, that never fits in God's agenda. Whoever has been comfortable, you know, with what he's shown up and told them to do. So fear becomes a significant thing, doesn't it? I mean, John says twice, in these verses, you know, that, that there is a fear and he addresses it. He says, perfect love casts out fear. It's where it drives it out. When you allow God to love you the way God loves you, he will drive fear out of your life, whatever that fear is. Some of you won't get close to other people because you've been rejected. And until you allow God to heal that rejection, it's going to block what, what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. That every relationship isn't set up for you to be rejected. But when you understand this love that, that Paul says, we can't even get our minds around in Ephesians 3. When you understand that love for you, then if this person rejects you, you have the God of the universe who doesn't. If you are, if you are in a healthy relationship in the church family, this person might reject you, but you have a whole church family that does not, which is why it's so important that we reinforce that into each other's lives. If you've been, if that's part of your story, if you feel like you have nothing to give, that insecurity that there are other people that are really good at this, but you have nothing to give, then you need to hear from the Lord what it is you have to give. John is telling you, you have been loved by, by God the Father. And all he's looking for is for is for you to allow that to flow out of you. You have something to give. You just have to convince yourself of that. You walk out, you know, you walk out a, a, at the end of service and you don't really talk to people and it's because you, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't really, that is, I don't have anything to give. You just need to step into a conversation. It's almost like Jesus said if we went to jail or went to court, don't worry about what to say. I'll give you something to say. Those of us that, that have been in ministry a while, we're on the opposite side of that. Stop feeling like you know what to say. I'll give you what to say when you get into that conversation. But have the conversation. 
You know, you have something. You have something to give people. If you've been hurt by love, you need to move through that. You need to allow God to heal that. You need to, you need to move through that and know that, that there are relationships you're going to get into that are, going to be, that are going to feed that part of you. They're going to be positive for you. If you have insecurities about who you are, please don't hide that into this is how God's made you because he's not made you that way. You know? If you have insecurities about who you are, you are as valuable and have as much to offer as anybody else in the room. You just have to believe that. And there are people around you that would say that to you and say that about you. If you've made terrible mistakes at loving people, you know, then just keep trying. You know, keep trying to love people well. Hey, all of our marriages, we can talk about terrible mistakes we've made. And yet Cindy's still with me. And, you know, she, I think I mentioned in the past, one of Cindy's main traits is loyalty. I don't know if that's because she's adopted or how that figures plays in. But if she was less loyal, she could give you a long list of mistakes that I've made that have really hurt. And if she's still loving me for some reason, I'm sure maybe she's tapped into the eternal rewards side of it. Are you yeah, I am lovable most of the time. <laughs> it's that rest of the time. Yeah. So if you feel like, I just make mistakes, I just do this wrong, hey, Pastor Ted and I would love for you to keep trying, even if you keep making mistakes. And so would the Holy Spirit in that. Some of you, you're just so caught up in the what-ifs. What if I love this person, but then they just become overwhelming? They just need me too much. Or what if I don't, ha I don't have what they give? Or what if I get, get in this relationship, I find out I'm over my head? What if... What if an, I can live there? I can, be, I can be an overthinker among the overthinkers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this person, and they're going to want to get together with me, and they're going to get together with me, they're going to want to hang out with me all the time. If they want to hang out with me all the time, now they're going to be in my house. Now my house isn't a refuge. If they come to my house all the time, how's Cindy going to feel about that? This Cindy's going to be upset with me. Hey, some of you are with me. Some of you are walking that trail. I just am at a point when I, re when I can hear that voice in my head and it says, you are out of your mind. Reel that in. Reel that in. So that's why God has put other people into my life. You know, like Pastor Ted, who says, you are an overthinker. He's the first person ever told me that. It's like, yeah, I kind of am. Kind of am. But if you are the what if person, what if I get in? Or what if, I, how? you've got to just reel that in and listen to the one voice that will prompt you to the right person to do the right thing and to the, to the right boundaries if those are needed. You know, you need to just lay that down. Lord, I, here I am. I want to love people to your glory, and you're going to help me do that. You're going to help me know where that is. Perfect love, it drives out those fears. If that's what perfect love does, and you're still hung up on fears, then you have not allowed his love to do that. Because it's been trying. So I hope you can receive that this morning. The love of God is trying to drive out those fears. You just have to allow him to do that or else you end up embracing fear and it gains more power. So, so this kind of love, it's automatic to John. It's an automatic. You, if you've experienced God, you've experienced his love. If you've experienced his love, it's changed you. If it's changed you, then, 
then you're, you're allowing it to flow out of you and change other people. That's an automatic to him, but it's also essential to John. It's an essential thing for being a follower of Jesus, an essential thing as a church to experience. To Jesus, it's a, it's a command to him, but it's also a marker to him. By this will people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's a marker that's huge to him. It's a trademark of the early church. Somewhere along the line of the early church, there was the thing that people from the outside said, wow, look at how they love each other. It became a marker of the early church. We're just burdened that in this moment, it seems like God is calling to Cottage Hill. This needs to be a marker, a great marker of, of who we are. That they look at us and say, boy, these people, they really care about each other. That when God looks at you and how you relate to the church, how you relate in youth group, how you relate in young adults, that there's a sense of, wow, they love each other. Look at what they are doing beyond what they're saying or, or talking about. We need to wrestle out. You need to hear this message in either direction. Are you allowing God to let his love flow through you? Or some of you, we need to turn that around and say, are you allowing God to love you through other people? Because for some of you, it's a trust factor. You don't allow people to get close enough for God to do that in you. And so we want you to hear that on other sides. We see people, we see some of you that are so gifted. And you can function in your gifts without love. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 starts out? But we see so many, so many of you, we see gifted, we see experienced, and we just see not engaging. And we, and we grieve over that. In my mind, Facebook doesn't count. You cannot love people through Facebook through the posts that you do. You know, you can't love people through email because that's trying to love safe and that's not how love works. It has to be person on person. It has to be life on life. So I'm asking you today to commit to that. Really. I'm asking you just to be you and the Lord. Lord, you know, this is what you say is true and genuine. I want to experience true and genuine. I mean, I... You can be honest in prayer. I mean, he knows someone was saying that the other night in recovery. Hey, we confess things. God already knows them. It's, we ha it's healthy for us to confess them. He knows if you're afraid. He knows if you're scared. He knows if you don't feel good at this. He knows what happened last time. We're just asking you today to say, God, I'm willing to do this. Would you use me to love other people? There are people that it's hard for me to believe, but they need me. Would you do that through me? Would you take my personality and the way you've designed me, love other people well through that? That's what I'm asking you to commit to today and then to do something this week that reflects that. That's very hard. For some of you, experiencing love is a, is a foreign thing or loving other people, that's a scary thing or a confusing thing. And so the team is going to come up and, and uh, sing a song over, over us. And then after that, I've just asked several people just to come up we want to pray over you if love has not been a good part of your story if loving people has been a difficult thing for you we just want to pray over you that this, this time really would be a difference maker for you so let's stand together and pray lord we're so good at complicated things that aren't complicating complicated to you and Loving, you know, your love, that's something we've, we've learned about since we were so little. And yet it gets so complicated in, in uh, receiving how you really love us, on what basis, to what degree, to allow the 
to allow your, your love to heal us the, the way that you want to heal us. So would you cut through all of that? I pray over those, Lord, who've been so wounded in the name of love or for whom love has been such a, an abstract, absent part of their journey. And just pray today would be a breakthrough. I, God, I just pray a word that bold, breakthrough over them. That you would allow your love to flow into them, to speak the truth, to erase lies that have dominated their lives or the way they relate or their relationships. And then we hear you, hear what you're saying. You're not just looking for us to be a church that's not divided or doesn't have conflicts going on. You're not looking for us to be a church that just gets along, gets along. You're looking for us to be a church that is deeply connected to each other and, in, and involved in each other's lives. So I just cry out to you, O oh Lord, take us to be that church. Pray over Pastor Ted and I, help us to hear from you about our place in that and adjustments we might need to make in this moment of our lives. We pray that over the church family too, God, these gifted, wonderful people that you've brought to, to the Cottage Hill family, that you would show each of us what that looks like, that we would trust you and long for you enough to step into that and then to see what you do. Because there is, a, there is an unloved world that needs to see that and believe that it's real. So we pray for that through the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. Like Pastor Jeff said, if um, you guys don't know this song, or um, this is a new song to our congregation, so if you want to stand, sit, listen, sing along, you know, just do wherever the song leads you, okay?
saved us from and are continuing to save us from, Lord. Let our outpouring be of love. And whatever holds us back from that, Lord, we pray that you would break those chains this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just challenge us this week, God. Help us to love, love one another, to love you more because you deserve it. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, my friend. Amen. Good. Hey, so we're here. If we, you know, Bill and Joy are going to pray over you, Jen and Gavin and Don and Lynn. If you've got a love wound or you feel like there's a love block or you just want to Make yourself available to how God would use you in other people's lives and just set aside, you know, your pride or your awkwardness and let someone pray that over you and become reality. Otherwise, that's, the, that's what God calls us to do and to be in this week. Have a great week serving Him. Yeah.